Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life transformation and human design coach who supports others on their own personal growth journeys. This show is all about rediscovering and reinventing who we are, and we are going to talk about it all. From wellness, spirituality, self-empowerment, energy, self-realization, sobriety, mental health awareness, literally anything that can help us along on our own self-project journeys. So let's dive right in. I want to welcome to the show today, Helen Hanna. And Helen is a transformation coach who helps overwhelmed women who drink too much to take back control without feeling deprived. And I'm really excited to talk to Helen today because um, if you know my story, you know I have four years of sobriety now, and you've heard some of my journey with alcohol. And so I'm really, really excited to hear Helen's approach and her story. And so we can kind of talk more about that. So Helen, I just want to say thank you so, so much for being on today. And do you mind just uh, introducing yourself and sharing a little more of yourself with us? Not at all. First of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So uh, as you mentioned, my name's Helen, and I am a transformation coach, and I help overwhelmed women who drink too much to take back control without feeling deprived and that for me is the key it's not about completely giving up alcohol it's about looking at that relationship that you've got with alcohol and making it work for you personally because it's very unique to each individual very much so. I like that you mentioned that because sometimes we think when we are struggling with alcohol that the answer is complete abstinence. And that's hard. I really struggled with that at first. I'm like, I don't want to stop drinking, but I know I need to. So <laughs> yes, I think there's there's a real for me, my personal observations were you are an alcoholic or can be an alcoholic, which means that you, you know, you are struggling with the withdrawal symptoms. It's affecting every area of your life. You're waking up in the morning, needing a drink to feel normal. And it seemed to me that it went from somebody being an alcoholic to somebody just drinking and being a a, a drinker, being able to control their alcohol. There didn't seem to be this middle ground, this sort of grey area, which I definitely fell into. And that was something that I learned along the way. I genuinely did not know I had a problem with alcohol until I tried to stop temporarily for a reason. I was doing a detox weekend and we were asked to not drink for two weeks leading up to this weekend. And naively, I thought that would be easy. (laughs) and I was wrong and at that point looking back that's when my journey started I genuinely didn't realize I had an issue with alcohol I didn't realize I was addicted to alcohol I thought I was in control and I was choosing to drink as and when I wanted to and I realized that that wasn't the relationship that I had at all what did your drinking look like before like um Because, you know, we sometimes say alcoholics doesn't necessarily mean you're drinking every day. So, 
No. And, and for me, it, it varied sort of, you know, at the beginning stages of my life, going, you know, late teens into my 20s, I would I would have considered myself to be a normal drinker, which was as much as I could whenever I could. You know, that, that sort of party era. Absolutely. Stressful jobs going into my late 20s, corporate jobs that made me feel I needed a drink after work every day. And so I continued with that up until I was in my early 30s when I had children. I didn't drink when I was pregnant and I didn't drink when I was breastfeeding. But as soon as that era stopped, as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, I naturally went back to drinking. It never once occurred to me to continue not drinking. Normality resumed. That was my normal to drink. And I would imagine it was round about when the children, I've got twins. So when I say children, they, they were the same age. Um, when they were probably around about three, I started to question how much I was drinking and be aware of the fact that it was it exceeded the, the the weekly guidance for units per week. So at that point, I started to deprive myself during the week. So I'd be really, really strict Monday to Friday. And then as soon as the weekend came, it was a free for all. It was the weekend and I deserved it. So technically, really binge drinking over the weekends. And that relationship continued for about 10 years. So you said probably during that two week detox is when you really realized that you had a problem that you had to face. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's really interesting? I didn't realize that at the time. It's only now on reflection when I look back and I start to dig deeper and question it all that the penny dropped, that that would have been the beginning of the thought process. But it took a long time. It took nearly two years after that weekend for me to register that looking forward to the future and potentially removing alcohol would be a huge benefit. I, it, again, after the weekend, I remember to this day walking in the house on the Sunday evening after the two weeks of abstinence plus the three days of the weekend. And the very first thing that I did was open the fridge and celebrate <laughs> with a bottle of wine. Normality resumed because it was my normal. That's what I did. I drank. Most definitely. So you started two years after that. So what was your process to start... Um... Did you start depriving yourself again? Like, I'm just. It, it was uh, it was a couple of years after the weekend, and I had a really really heavy festive season, Christmas, New Year. It was really intense, a lot of alcohol. There was a point in the middle of the the, the holiday period that I actually thought, oh, you know, this is this is a bit much, but I carried on drinking anyway. Came into the new year and thought. I'll take a break. I need a break. My body's ready for a break. And because I in the subconsciously remembered how amazing I felt after the yoga retreat, it inspired me then to take a break and give my body a rest so that I could then feel amazing again. So that was the thought process, really. And I then proceeded to do short stints, sort of 30 days off the alcohol but I always went back to drinking 
normality, back to normality, once that period of abstinence was over, that was the goal to get to the end and then return to normal. Um, I love that you share, like you said, because it's a whole journey. It's a whole process. You're not gonna, like you said, it took two more years after realizing that you felt amazing during that period. Maybe, maybe there's something to all of this, but then yeah, it still took that extra amount of time. So it's a complete journey. I believe of becoming self-aware. I think that's the very, very first thing. And then giving yourself some grace through it because it's not easy changing habits. <laughs> and it's not easy. It's not easy. It's it really came as a huge shock to me that it wasn't easy to stop drinking. And now I look back on that and it, it does make me smile because it's really quite unbelievable that I didn't notice that at the time it's it's just surprising to me and and I'm sure there's lots of people that can resonate with that absolutely our brains have a way of um I don't want to say tricking us but kind of pulling the curtain down over you to that level of self-denial of Yes. And we're, we're, you know, we also are programmed, aren't we, and brainwashed into believing that we need alcohol to have a good time. We need alcohol to relax. And, and you know, and society is, is full of promotions towards it being a good thing. You know, if you look at it the way it's seen on TV, it's such a positive reinforcement to us isn't it that we need this substance to have a good life and actual fact it's completely the opposite that's true it's 100 i'm really glad that you brought that up because um it's yeah the alcohol culture in our media is ridiculous and while you were talking i just thought of a really great example we were watching a show with our boys the other day and it was on one of the stations but you could like pick which ad you wanted to watch but both of them were like alcohol and so you know we're watching and the kids are just like repeating after it and i'm like it's just totally normalized for them yeah and so i'm like let's talk about this cuz we don't keep it in the house like they haven't um well i mean in the past they've seen me drink but they haven't seen us drink recently and they were younger then and but it's just, it's ridiculous. Just looking, even listening to them watch, like they're, like if they're watching YouTube or something like that, and you hear an alcohol ad come on and they're talking how fun it is, this and. Yeah, it's, it's really, I, I, I felt or feel looking back now that it was almost expected that I would drink. It, you know, in a, a discreet way, but society, you know, we, we, it's all leading up to this big, you know, here in the UK, it's 18 when we're legally allowed to drink. And, you know, if you look at most 18 birthday cards, they feature alcohol. So it's this big milestone that we're all desperate to get to in order to be able to legally drink. And what I find really interesting is that I never once questioned that. It never occurred to me that there was another choice that I could choose not to drink. I just followed the path of normality, which is alcohol and having a drink to enjoy yourself and have a good time. And I've learned, you know, speaking from a very personal perspective, that I actually have more fun when I don't drink. I enjoy myself far more. And again, a huge eye-opener, huge. I completely agree with you. Um, 
I now too can have way more fun not drinking and kind of looking at other people, even being in the environment. I'm like, man, I remember when I was like that. I'm glad that I'm not on that side of it still. But I really struggled with that at first too. And I I stopped drinking. I'm like, nothing's fun. I'm not fun. I'm not interesting. Like, how am I supposed to have fun without it? So that was a really big period that I had to go through learning how to find other things, other ways to have fun, learning what I enjoyed, learning how to connect with people without alcohol that made me brave and confident and all of those things. So it's an entire process to get there. It really is. I mean, we, you know, as teenagers, we'll be, you know, probably younger than teenagers. If we think back to when we were children, we had fun. You know, we got excited about birthday parties. We got excited about playing with our friends. We got excited about Christmas. And there wasn't an ounce of alcohol involved in that. It's pure, natural excitement. We all have that within us. What happens with alcohol is we start to use it as a way to enjoy ourselves. And we forget that that that's not needed. You know, we don't need the alcohol to have fun. We associate it with joy. We associate alcohol going out to the, the, you know, to the pub with friends as a joyous thing. The reality is it's sitting with your friends chatting. That's the joy of being out and about. It's not the alcohol. The alcohol actually takes the joy away. Yes, um, I can. Yeah, towards the end of my drinking career, it wasn't even fun anymore. People, you know, I wasn't people weren't having fun with me like it was no I I learned I I actually wasn't a good drunk you know I wasn't a happy drunk you know this 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 period of time that people tell me that you know you have a couple and you get really happy and it's joyous I actually did never experience that for me I was either perfectly fine as we are talking now or I'd literally just go from being fine to needing to go to bed and that's not fun and it's certainly not sociable, but it didn't click at any point until after I took back control and then I reflected on the last few years and realized that I wasn't being fun at all. Um, I feel like I can resonate so much with that, that yeah, it becomes not fun. Like it started fun, whatever, but yeah. And then it just grips you in and that becomes all, for my case, that was all you could think about. You wake up in the morning feeling terrible. and like, oh, let's have another drink. That'll fix it. Hair of the dog, hair of the dog. And it's, you know, it's not just the alcohol, is it? It's uh, It's like you say, waking up in the early hours of the morning, which happens to me on a regular basis. And you've got the fear, the guilt, the remorse, the regrets. Did I say anything to offend anybody? Did I do anything embarrassing? And as my children who are now 14, they were at that time, you know, not quite 10. It was, you know, we're going back a few years. And I had the realization that memory loss was becoming a regular occurrence for me. They would talk to me about something that we discussed the day before and I would pretend that I knew what they were talking about with the realization that I couldn't remember it was embarrassing I was truly embarrassed and that started to happen on a regular basis and that for me was a real warning sign that things needed to change so I would love to hear then what 
what process did you take yourself through? And is this the same process that you use with your clients if you want to just? Yeah, it actually is. For, for me, going back to the alcoholic and then the, the regular social drinker and this gap in the middle, that, that sort of, I felt quite lost and quite scared. I knew that I needed, wanted to change. I wanted to change my relationship with alcohol. I had learned that I preferred myself and my life without alcohol. But stopping was not that easy. It wasn't that simple as just saying, right, that's it. I'm not drinking anymore. So I felt very lost and quite scared. I didn't know what to do, who to speak to. So I did some research and found out about coaching, which is something I at this point knew nothing about. So I looked more and more into it and found myself a coach and worked through a 90-day program with a coach and that just completely changed my life completely changed my life so with that inspiration and now being in a position to choose not to drink that that is how I feel I I, I don't feel deprived it's a choice that I make um, and I took the plunge and uh, became a coach so that I can use my experience, my knowledge, my expertise now to take other people through a program and obviously help them with the same issues that I experienced. I love that. Are your programs 90 days as well that you take people through? It is a 90 day program. Yes. So do you mind if it's not too personal kind of sharing with us what your relationship looks like with alcohol now? Like, um, do you still drink occasionally? I don't. And that's a choice. And it still makes me smile, as you can probably see, because it, it, it wasn't something that I set out to do. I genuinely didn't sit there and say, right, I am going to stop drinking. I'm taking it out of my life completely. What I wanted to do was exactly what I've achieved, which is for it to become a choice. I choose not to drink. I actually now don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. There's nothing appealing to me about alcohol anymore. I actually do have alcohol in the house. My husband still drinks. And I recently, uh, we did some renovations in the house. And prior to my journey, we um, had a, a wine cooler and a wine rack put into this beautiful new kitchen so it does have bottles in it um, and for me that's that's something that I'm really proud of because I don't ever feel tempted I genuinely don't ever get tempted if I have a brief moment and they are incredibly brief it just doesn't out, outweigh the benefits that I get from not drinking so for me I am very comfortable in the fact that I do have alcohol in the house and it is a choice I do not want to drink I love that you say that um so like I said we don't keep alcohol in the house either but as you were talking I was thinking we used to help plan um galas for this nonprofit we were a part of and yeah the last one we had cases and cases of alcohol in there for you know this big party and I was just like I don't even want to look at it like it just made me almost sick to my stomach to like look at all of it I'm like it's crazy. I we in the supermarkets over here at this time of year, they generally offer I think it's six bottles, 25% discount. And I was smiling to myself the other day because I do remember, you know, year, years ago, I would have probably bought at least 
24 bottles you know and that's probably minimum that's only four crates of six there was probably at times more than that with the 25 percent stacked in the garage ready for the festive period and it just oh it makes me shiver it makes me think oh no I just can't ever imagine but that was my normality 100%. I'm glad you said something about the grocery store because again, that triggered a thought for me that like the local grocery store that we shop in is just full of alcohol. Like that's like half the aisle through the checkout because they have us like all lined up through there now to go through because of COVID, but it goes right through the alcohol. So yeah, my kids will be right there by the bottles, reading the labels, like, oh, what's whiskey? What's this? And I'm just like, <sighs> It's, it's just everywhere, isn't it? That it's society. We are programmed to believe that it's what we need to have a good time and enjoy ourselves. And for me, it was quite the opposite. Absolutely. I'm going to take this another little kind of personal route too. So tell me if it's too much, but did, so how old are your children now? 14? They're 14. Yeah. So did you find that you, have you had conversations with them about alcohol and like what, what you went through and alcohol now? Yes. Yes. Only small conversations. We've not gone into a huge amount of detail. I think as life progresses and they get older, I'm sure there's going to be discussions had about what they experienced. Because remember, for the first 10 years of their life, they grew up with mum being drunk at weekends um you know that that was their normal you know mum being laid on the sofa on a Saturday and a Sunday in recovery until I got the energy to get in the shower have another drink and go out you know and, and carry on and function as oh, it sounds awful when you say it out loud but that that was you know the, the, the way it was that was something that was just normal and they've grown up with that and they wouldn't have known any different you know I still would consider myself I was a good mom, you know, I was, I was always there for them and they got everything they needed. And there certainly has never been any um, physical side effects or anything scary that I need to worry about long-term. But I am quite intrigued as to how the conversations will change as they get older and they start to remember things from their childhood. Um, but what I am really proud of is that, you know, I would love to have done this 15 years ago, before they were born or as they were born, but the reality of it, it, it didn't happen. But what I am genuinely very proud of is the fact that I managed to change my relationship with alcohol before they became teenagers. And now they have an awareness of both sides. You know, I'm not naive enough to think that they won't experiment themselves but they now know that there's a choice. It's not, not, it doesn't have to be expected. It's not necessary for you to drink. There is a choice. And I love that. I think that it's really powerful too. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. So I have five boys, my oldest, he's almost, yeah, he's almost 15. And then my youngest is eight. So this would have been four years ago. So he was right around 10 or 11 when I quit about the same time years were. And so he, um, you know, the same thing. We've had some conversations about it, not so much about like my story, but just alcohol in general. And like you said, I'm not so naive to know that they're not going to experiment with it. It's everywhere. I really think that at some point, everybody probably. 
they've got to learn for themselves, haven't they? They've got to experience the negatives, you know, and, and go through their own journey. Like we've said, it is a journey. It is, but I think it's powerful um, for our kids in this point that if they find themselves kind of in a similar boat or a similar struggle, they have kind of maybe watched us, maybe they were little, but they've watched us go from, you know, this over here to the drinking and the out of control to this over here. They've watched us go through it. And I would just, I would hope that one day if they're struggling, that that would encourage them to, Hey, mom's been through this. Let me, let me reach out to her. Yes. They, they've got that awareness haven't they that there, there is there is another choice and I, and I didn't feel like that when I was their age to me it was just I was always going to drink I didn't even think that anything else was an option um, and you know I didn't grow up with parents that drank heavily they drank but they didn't drink heavily so um, it's interesting how it's just society as we spoke earlier you know it's, it's everywhere isn't it and that's what we believe you know we need alcohol to have a good time and it's funny um, because almost if you're not if you're in an alcohol situation you're somewhere where uh, people are drinking it's almost you get more comments and more questions when you don't have a drink you sure do peer pressure is huge it really is I mean it 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 changes as people become more used to from my point of view as people got more used to the fact that I didn't drink it changed you know there, there weren't the questions and there wasn't the sort of need to encourage you to drink but certainly during the beginning of the process that was one of the hardest things was when you were going out and people you know even if you said you were driving it's like well you can just have one or get a taxi I'll get you a taxi and you know so I, I then was prepared mentally for that and I'd say well actually I'm working tomorrow so that's why I'm driving and people do back off but you have to be very, very prepared and very strong minded and have very clear cut about your responses and how you're going to handle it. Because it's when you get questioned that you have that moment of, oh, go on then. I'll just have a glass of wine. And it's so easy. You know, it's because that's the habit. Again, it's all back to habits, isn't it? It is. And um, my personal story, too, I was very ashamed of being um an alcoholic. So I, you know, when I stopped drinking and we would go to these events, like nobody knew that I had had a problem with alcohol and that I wasn't drinking for that reason. And I didn't want to say that at first. So yeah, I really had that struggle too. No, I just don't want it. And they're like, well, just have one, just have one. And um, yeah, so I eventually got to the point again, like you said, where I was very strong-minded and I don't mind sharing now, like, no, I'm in I'm sober. I don't drink like, and then they back off, but it's just funny if you don't, in my case, like if, when I didn't do that, it was just more pressure, more pressure, more pressure till I'm like, stop it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. I think it's just people's way of coping with something that's not normal because not drinking, being sober is not the norm. So when they get confronted with that, they almost don't know how to cope with it and how to deal with it. So their natural reaction is to encourage you to join in, be part of what they are doing. And it's very challenging to stand your ground, but just be prepared and plan, mentally plan what you're 
responses are going to be so that you're ready and people do back down they do and then actually interestingly enough normally at some point during the night when they're getting intoxicated they want to talk to you about you know so so tell me a little bit more about you know they're genuinely quite interested in in why and how I like my husband and I at first we had what we called like an escape plan so like you say go in prepared have your things that we had an entire escape plan like if it got too much for me that I could signal him and we would have oh you know oh we have to go get the kids somebody called or you know we would have something that we could leave if I needed to so again it's a process if you get into a you know some people can't be around alcohol I know people still who they're just like I can't be around it at all I'm one I'm okay now to be around it and not be drinking but but yeah give yourself that grace and give yourself that time because it took me probably a good year and a half before I could get to that point and even be around alcohol without being triggered by it and like you say it is a journey and it is just also as well about accepting that there is the gray area in the middle you know just because you you know for me i i wasn't an alcoholic i was dependent on alcohol to enjoy myself and have a good time but i wasn't an alcoholic and for me that made me feel incredibly lost because i was like well what, so how do i how, what do i do how how do i manage this I didn't know who to talk to or you know everything's geared around being an alcoholic and for me that was a real sticking point and that's why it's so important for me to share my story and just let people know that it's perfectly normal to feel like you're dependent on alcohol and not be an alcoholic. Thank you. I think that that's important that you brought that up too because like you said you either you just have that stigma of like it's alcoholic. If you have a problem with alcohol, you're just automatically. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for, for us here in the UK to go to the GP about alcohol, it then of course remains on your records for ever. And when you're not an alcoholic, that doesn't need to be the case. There are options out there for you to take back control. With that being said, Helen, you told us about your 90 day program. Do you have other ways that that you're working with people too or at the moment I have the 90 day one-to-one program but in the future there will be other options I'm looking at offering group coaching and that will all be available to have a look at on my website at helenhannacoaching.com and everything is available to have a look at there I've got a free ebook that you can download my how-to guide for overwhelmed women who drink too much that's available as a free download through my website and you can also book I offer free consultations as well for people that just gives people an idea about coaching because like for me I didn't know what coaching was I didn't know what coaching was about so the, the free consultation is designed for people to be able to get a grasp of coaching and whether it might be the right next step for them and they can book that also available uh, through my website. So if you're feeling like you're really resonating um, with our interview today, all links are going to be in show notes. So go down there, check that out, and definitely consider booking um, that call with Hannah and getting yourself some help. So also with that, do you have any social media accounts that we can find you on either? I do. Yes, I'm also on Facebook. And my name's really easy to remember because it's two girls' names, Helen, Hannah. 
So Helen is the first name and Hannah is the last name, which is H-A-N-N-A-H. So did you have anything that you wanted to add that we didn't touch on or? I think we've covered just about everything, um, Christy. The, The only thing that I always like to mention is that, you know, it's really important to remember that it's not about deprivation. It's about replacement. And it can be really scary to feel that, something so huge in in your life you know we it's a scary thought that we're going to lose it it's it is a a little bit like a grieving process you know that we go through I'm sure you can relate to that um but you know one of the things that I've learned is that it's not about deprivation it's about replacement I just want to thank you so much Helen for being on the show today for sharing with us um sharing your story and sharing that like you said, it doesn't have to be like a loss, you know, it doesn't have to be, that's how I felt like like it was a loss. So you don't have to feel deprived. You can go through this and come out on the other side and feel amazing. And Absolutely. I have, I can honestly say genuinely, I have never been so happy in my life. It's just the best thing to not have something that makes you feel so awful mentally and physically so it's the best thing that I've ever done by far thank you so much Helen um like I said make sure you guys go check Helen out and then I also want to throw into just depending on um maybe what level of drinking how long you've been drinking how much you drink if you are to deciding to um maybe cut back or go cold turkey altogether do remember that there are withdrawal symptoms you will possibly go through a detox again depending on your individual situation so i always like to point out to be really self-aware of that because um that's one of the alcohol is like one of the most deadly i think it is the most deadly thing that you can withdraw from you know versus all other like street drugs and everything else like alcohol can actually withdrawal can actually kill you so make sure if you're at that level of severity that you also have the guidance of a doctor or a medical professional helping you as well Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.